Hello, Mike here. Today's guest is another one of those pinch myself moments. I had the privilege of getting a little time with legendary triple Oscar winning production designer of Harry Potter and so much more, Stuart Craig. In it, we discuss how he got his start in the business, his experience painting theatre backdrops for Laurel and Hardy, how the biggest film scene ever made came together when he was working on the shoot of Gandhi, how David Lynch went about making The Elephant Man, and of course, his time on Harry Potter, including the story of J.K. Rowling in a hotel lobby, casually drawing him a map that would go on to become the basis for the movie's iconic sets and locations. Now in his 80s, Stuart was very gracious in giving me his time in the hope that his stories would be of interest and help to the younger generation. Thank you for listening. Here's the man himself. So I'm down to the local Wandsworth bookshop and um, bought two copies and got on a plane to Los Angeles, saw, met with Chris Columbus, I don't know, two or three weeks, I think. I got a call to say, and of course I was thinking, yes, immediately. Hello and welcome to Red Carpet Rookies. My name is Mike Battle, a film crew member turned screenwriter working in London. Each episode, I bring you life lessons and stories from the people behind your favorite movies and shows to help demystify the business for aspiring filmmakers and fans alike. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Today's guest is one of the most accomplished production designers in the world today. Starting his career under the tutelage of Star Wars designer John Barry, he worked his way through the art department on 1970s classics such as the original Christopher Reeve Superman and Richard Attenborough's A Bridge Too Far. Here he began a multi-decade collaboration with Attenborough, which produced the likes of Gandhi, for which he picked up his first Oscar. As his career moved into the late 80s and 90s, he added a multitude of other legendary works to his CV, including Stephen Frears' Dangerous Liaisons and Anthony Minghella's The English Patient, both of which he picked up Oscars for. It was in the 2000s, though, that he was introduced to his most famous project, Designing Hogwarts, a job that he has done since 2001 on all eight Harry Potter and three Fantastic Beasts films. If you can believe it, in amongst all of that, he also found time to design David Lynch's seminal film, The Elephant Man, and much-to-loved classic, Notting Hill. My guest is Stuart Craig. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. Doing okay. Slightly nervous about my recall of abilities and talking to you, but uh, it's a pleasure. Really. The pleasure is all mine, Stuart. Now, I ask all of my guests the same first question, and that is, what did your parents do and did it affect your career choices moving forward? Not as directly as that and not as forcefully as that. My mother, in her later life, discovered that um, flower painting, watercolour, was um, something she was quite became quite proficient at, and uh, the, the family were almost surprised at the delicacy of the work. And it was a million miles from what we do in building plywood sets, but uh, she did have this undeveloped um, design and expression. I wonder what your creative mother would have said about what you went on to do in your amazing career in the arts. Well, she would have been very proud and very surprised, I suppose, in the first instance, at the success I was lucky enough to have. Um, the truth is, it's um, 
exaggerated. There, there was some great work in these sets. Uh, as I say, we were very lucky to be given the chance, really. And what about your father? Did he influence you at all the way your mother did? My dad was in the RAF in India or in Pakistan in 1922, I think it was. My father was a very energetic man. He was attending furniture auctions all, all the time. He was flying gliders at weekends. I was uh, encouraged by the energy my dad had. I can't claim to have been as academic, but we certainly gave it a good try. Creative people often have a moment in their younger years when someone points out to them that they clearly have a talent for it. And I understand that you had one, didn't you, Stuart, uh, while painting for an opera? So the school that I went to, a regular grammar school, had a uh, tradition, Gilbert and Sullivan, as many schools in sorts of time. I found myself painting the Yeoman of the Guard, the exterior of the Tower of London. And uh, yeah, I was just to finish the Yeoman of the Guard, some brickwork, stonework. Uh, when somebody notices you and me at a young age and say, says that good, that's very effective, whatever. I, I got one or two of those mentions, and that was the start, really. It's a delight to look back on it and realise that you were flattered by something which developed into something. After getting that early practice painting sets at school, were there any opportunities in your hometown to paint maybe other local theatres? Because often people work in that before going into the movies, don't they? There's a, there were two theatres in Orange, my hometown. One was the Gilbert and Sullivan just talked about. There was a, uh, another theatre, regular theatre, one of a chain. I used to have a job painting scenery. So the first job kind of went to that. So I suddenly had a professional engagement. It was a weekly production. I used to paint scenery at this Elizabethan apron stage called the Matter Market. Um, there was a designer in place there, a lady, Anna Melbourne, but um, she was kind and sharing with me, which I appreciate. Um, in that same period, the um, Laurel and Hardy, that's what I'm remembering, came on a tour of England, never broke, never skinned. Um, I think Stan Laurel had huge sums alimony. May I ask, did you see them in the flesh? I didn't get a complimentary evening, but I did see them. So you've realised by this point that you obviously have a talent for art, but I can't imagine there were many filmmaking or art schools necessarily in your hometown. So did you begin to look further afield? Royal College of Art I applied to because I found out that they had a starting film design course, which would have been a three-week undergraduate course. To my amazement and pleasure, I was taking on at the Royal College. Um, 
So that was the start of career in film. I got into this course at the Royal College. Getting into a College of Art is difficult enough, but it can potentially be even more difficult to get your first job on a film set. So how did you go about that back then? I was lucky enough to have written a letter to Michael Stringer, who was designing Superman, Christopher Reeve's Superman. I wrote a letter asking if there was any possibility. And that was the bad years and got a job. And uh, things relaxed a bit. Michael Stringer, the designer of this production of um, Casino Royale, that film is dire. It, it doesn't work at all. It's amazing how many people have seen it, and I thought nobody saw it. But, um, anyway, I started this junior class for making the tea for Michael Stringer, who was the British designer for Disney, and Michael did different Disney films. That was, of course, your first foray into the business, which began your epic career. And there's obviously so much we could talk about that I'm going to take a little inspiration from you, Stuart, as before we began the recording, you were telling me an amazing story about your work on Gandhi with Richard Attenborough. So would you be able to talk about that project again by any chance? The chosen designer, Michael Stewart, around the art department and the various departments in various studios, recruit, trying to recruit somebody who would go to India. And surprisingly, a lot of designers said no, they passed on it. And I was rather not miffed, but uh, you could say miffed. Um, I would like to have done that. I could do that. And I imagine it was because I was relatively inexperienced that um, they didn't ask me. So I went on and did another time out of film. And then Terry Marsh was asked to do that and uh, declined. He he had moved to America and was doing um, very good films, Green Mile, etc. Um, he recommended me, therefore, to go and do a Gandhi. And uh, I was very excited, a little scared, no doubt. But um, that was the start of my film design career. What was it like to actually film Gandhi in India? Because now, these days, the legacy of the movie is it's super famous for many really hard scenes with thousands and thousands of supporting artists, isn't it? It was a very difficult shoot, Gandhi. The script, not Robert Bolt's script, but Jack Bryan, it was very long. There were endless major um, with huge crowds, not least the funeral, which became film notorious. It's an epic call sheet, the longest ever call sheet. Just to dive in, for anyone listening who doesn't know what Stuart is referring to, this is the call sheet for the Gandhi funeral scene, which is the longest of all time. And the call sheet is the list of everybody that needs to be on set on a certain day, whether that's actors, the director, the crew, all of the background artists, etc. And I'm just going to read off of a few of the numbers from that call sheet day. So 3,000 home guard. 1,500 Gandhi peace movement, 30,000 controlled spectators, 50,000 Haryana spectators, 7,500 scheduled car spectators, 250,000 specially invited guests, etc. Stuart, how on earth did 
the production bring these people together to be there. It's absolutely crazy. The Rajpath, which is the plot, the Pall Mall of Delhi, two miles approximately. There was an event there, a festival, which happens annually. We took advantage of this, invited people, held a raffle, I think I'm probably a raffle of a car, anything, things to draw a crowd, which is already anticipated to be very large. Um, they, they came, the army, I think, numbered a thousand people. Yeah, more than that, sorry, a million, quarter of a million, I think, thereabouts, is the estimate. That was an incredible story, Stuart. Thank you very much for sharing it. And you mentioned it was Gandhi that began your film design career there. But was it also The Elephant Man in production at a similar time for you in the early 80s? Do you have any recollections of that job? It was. The Elephant Man was, uh, we were all in our 30s. Jonathan Sanger, David Lynch, me, the accountant, John Tree, and the producer behind it all, Smell Brooks. And uh, it was all good news. In those years, the new American producers coming to London, another video period film would always be shown, the only available. It's one, one was in uh, Wapping, the Cobble Streets of Wapping. Then on the opposite side, it's rather high. We uh, we've always put that on the list of Victorian exteriors. And it was a real cliche. It's one that the industry survived on. Would have been in a sorry state without it. Ready-made cobble street warehouses. And uh, so David Lynch arrived. I think nervous that I um, would produce kind of cliche and uh, his view of the world was very different. We showed him the London Hospital, which still exists, the, the very hospital that the elephant man was there. Am I right that this is the hospital where you can actually see the skeleton of the elephant man? It is. That was a great surprise for David Lynch. At first we'd been refused. I mean, the custodian of didn't want to disrespect David Lynch. So secured a meeting. We were here not to make that. It was shocking. In any way, shocking in any way. Exploiting the elephant man. That's what exploration was doing. And he did in the end. I'm sure that research trip must have had a lot of effect on the way you guys portrayed John Merrick in the film and the feel of the movie through your sets. Do you remember John Hurt wearing the makeup at all? David Lynch set out to make the elephant man to make up himself and uh, came a day when it was finished and John Hurt was asked to wear it. It was too heavy. He couldn't work in it. He couldn't. There was no animation in the face at all. And uh, it was declared a, a no girl. There was a makeup artist who made some prosthetic before and uh, was enjoying some successes as an artist. And he came in and he used techniques that he had developed, lightweight, sponge building, such sponge material. To go from a very real story to the more fantastical 
I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about working on, of course, Harry Potter, Stuart. And one of the questions I wanted to ask is, what is the first time you ever heard about the notion of Harry Potter? I was offered a job. I was in, my daughter had a flat in Wandsworth. She, I was offered a job. I went said Betty, and apparently this had been success. Um, Have you heard of it? And she said she had just about heard of it. Um, So I went down to the local Wandsworth bookshop and um, bought two copies and got on a plane, you would say, to Los Angeles, saw, met with Chris Columbus, who was producer and director, and uh, had a good meeting with uh, Chris Columbus, then went off on a, I was decorating my grandson's bed at the time. He was expected, but not born. I was there in the bedroom in anticipation. He, uh, I said goodbye, went about my business and uh, heard nothing more. And uh, at the end of the two or three weeks, I think, I got a call to say, and of course, I was thinking, yes, immediately. I was scared, I was, but not scared. Not scared enough to stop. Well, you certainly didn't stop, Stuart, as that first film became the next. And of course, the rest is history. But to take it back to those early days on the first movie, I'd love to hear about the map that J.K. Rowling drew for you. Yes, we were sitting in a in the foyer of, uh, I think it was the London Hotel in Dorchester, maybe. And I met Joe and... Obviously, it was curious about it. I asked her for a map or a diagram. She, um, she proceeded to, on a scrap of paper and napkins, she proceeded to draw in the top left-hand corner, the drawing start, got quickly over the lake, the dark forest, the front gate in the back, where the, the, the big courtyard where the final battle takes place. And uh, so this... She gave me this map, and uh, I, I was very thankful for it, as you might imagine. Could not have been clearer the instruction I was getting from Joe. And uh, yeah, and, uh, there were a few copies around, not many. Uh, it was terrific. She has, on occasion, been a useful source of accurate, accurate information, maybe things only she could answer. And, uh, Amazing. So with this map in your hand, you could obviously then go off to design what became your famous sets, one of which being Diagon Alley. And I wanted to ask, is it really true that some American producers wanted to do it on the boring streets of Soho instead of building it at a studio? They did. It happened to be in Soho. And uh, I think it was Chris Street, that, uh, one of the two American line producers dashed over and excitedly looked at Fritz Street, if it was, and uh, said, look, this could be Diagon Alley. You spent your life in California. I understand how they, why they got excited about it, but it isn't so It's somewhere else. It certainly is. And out of all of the sets that you designed for the Potter franchise, do you have one that's your favourite by any chance? Like Dumbledore's office. And the levels work so well and, and uh, the whole business it was designed for Dumbledore's first entrance. 
Thank you for sharing that, Stuart. Now, to wrap up on Red Carpet Rookies, I always like to ask my esteemed guests for certain pieces of advice they've picked up in their career. And of course, in your long decades of work in the film industry, I imagine you certainly have. But is there one specific thing that you would like to pass on to perhaps the next generation of draftsmen, art directors, designers, or other people working in the business? One thing I've learned to say is take with you the best possible help you can. Do not, as many people do and have done, surround themselves with less than top flight people. There are fabulous skills on display here in Eastern, and they're there to be used and enjoyed. You must see it, recognize it, and use it. Teamwork indeed. What a beautiful, positive way to finish our conversation, Stuart. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. It was an absolute honor, to be honest. And thank you for your advice, your stories, and the cinematic creations that you've brought into all of our lives. I really do hope that you enjoyed sharing it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Red Carpet Rookies. To help us grow and be able to interview more amazing film and TV professionals, please do subscribe and drop us a rating on the Apple Podcast Store on your iPhone or online if you're an Android user. If you're interested in regular updates, the best thing you can do is to join our mailing list at redcarpetrookies.com or alternatively, find us on Instagram at redcarpetrookies or Twitter at rcrookiespod. I also tweet regularly about my own learnings in the business at Mike F. Battle on Twitter, so please do come and say hi. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time.